Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. One of the been one of the institute uh, young people at Kobiak and is serving there uh, this summer. The, you young people that are serving at Kobiak, ra- raise your hands. Where, where are you? A whole bunch of them over here. We, we love these young people. We're honored that they choose to come here. They work very hard in the summer. All three of my uh, children had the privilege of working at a summer Christian camp, and it's one of the best things that they can do, and it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life. Uh, Bryce was telling me that there were several nights this past week, didn't get to bed till 2 o'clock in the morning. And I told him, you shouldn't be partying that late, Bryce, but... <laughs> No, he wasn't partying. He was just attending to business. So we need to pray for these young people. Our young people will be over there giving you trouble this week. So be prepared for them. And we're uh, pleased that you'll be there to, to serve them and, and guide them along the way. You know, it's, as if it's not hard enough. Oh, Paul Cody. I'm glad you're here. Oh, no, no, it's, no, we're, no, not what you think. Paul knows what I'm talking about. Thanks for the text a while ago. You have the gift of encouragement, Paul. Sent me a picture. And of all days, <laughs> talk about timing. Thank you so much for sending me a picture. Now, you have to understand, those of you that don't know, I was born and raised in Louisiana, grew up an LSU fan, went to LSU, got a couple degrees from LSU, proudly wear purple and gold. I watched LSU yesterday. They're playing in the College World Series. Love LSU. I bleed purple and gold. Paul's aware of that. He sent me a picture a while ago. Thank you, Paul. A picture of the poster child of liberalism, Nancy Pelosi wearing an LSU shirt. (laughs) It is on my phone. You got my text, huh? I responded, no! Please, Lord, no! Oh, man. So, Paul, thank you for being such an encouragement and being there for me on a tough day. (laughs) That's funny. Okay, but back now to a a serious... She really is. She's wearing an LSU shirt. Oh, man. Anyway, let's let's, uh, go back to where we started this morning, 1 Kings. In review real quick. And it came to pass when Ahab, who was a wicked king, or if you will, a wicked politician, saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou. They're pointing fingers at one another. Somebody's guilty. In this case, a good man, or a bad man, is calling a good man bad. And that's exactly what the Bible says will happen. Good will be called evil, evil will be called good. Bitter will be called sweet, sweet will be called bitter. And we're trying to understand how liberals think, because it can be very frustrating. And it's taken a great deal of study 
on my part to come to a, where it's beginning to come out of the fog and into um, something that I can understand. And again, I mentioned, and I want to give him credit, and I don't mind if you look him up on the website, uh, this fellow by the name of Evan Sayet. I just, I'm amazed that I learned what I learned from him, a comedian, but that's what he is. But when I heard what he had to say about liberalism and how he had transformed from being a liberal to a conservative, he offered to me the best, most cogent uh, explanation of how liberals think than I had ever heard. And so let's begin with that this afternoon. And again, you're going to have to listen. You have to listen on purpose. At the core of liberal thought is the idea of indiscriminateness. At the core of liberal thought is the idea of indiscriminateness. Now, what does indiscriminateness mean? It means it is wrong to judge. Liberals believe it is wrong to judge. It is wrong for me to say that homosexuality is a sin. Okay? They believe that's wrong. That you have to be indiscriminate. You can't make those kind of judgments. They believe it would be wrong for me to say that promiscuity is, is a sin. They would have a problem. They would have a problem with me saying lying is a sin. I mean, remember, folks, they don't believe in sin. Okay, they don't believe in God. That's hard for us to comprehend. So at the core of liberal thought is the idea of indiscriminateness. It is wrong to judge. To judge, in their mind, is to be a bigot. So who are we to judge? Now, some of you that don't know any better would automatically think, well, the Bible says judge not. Okay, Go and read the passage. Yes, it says that in the context of being hypocritical. You are never to judge as a hypocrite. In other words, in that passage, don't point out the, 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 the might that's in somebody's eye and, and, or the moat that's in somebody's eye and the beam that's in your eye. Yeah, in that sense, we're not to judge. But other than that, we are. Liberals teach early that an act of rational... And moral thought, which is what judging is, is an act of bigotry. Folks, I'm not making this up. They really believe that, okay? Check it out. And no matter how earnest and seer you are to seek the facts, and no matter how disciplined you are in your reasoning and your conclusion, in their mind, it's going to be tainted by your personal bigotry. Your faith. They're not going to listen to you simply because you are a person of faith that automatically makes you judgmental, that automatically makes you bigoted. So no matter your conclusion, it is useless to them. It is only a reflection of your bigotry. They will dismiss you and what you think automatically because you are a, a believer or even really to a degree a conservative. That's why Chuck Schumer could be against the bill that was proposed the other day without even knowing what was in it. Before it came out, he said, we're against it. And he started listing all, all these reasons. Again, that baffles me, but this is, now I understand it. It's the source. It's where it's coming from. It's coming from conservatives. And they're going to dismiss it automatically as being bigoted. 
And in their mind, the only way to eliminate bigotry is to eliminate rational thought, to eliminate your faith. Indiscriminateness or being non-judgmental for liberals has become a moral imperative because the opposite is the evil of discrimination. And we're not talking about racial discrimination. We're talking about discernment, thinking things through. Let me read that again. Indiscriminateness, or not judging, has become for them a moral imperative because the opposite is the evil of discrimination or discernment. So in order to eliminate discrimination, rational thought, thinking people, the modern liberal has determined to be totally indiscriminate, non-judgmental, with one exception. They will judge us Christians. That is their one exception. You can't judge anybody's morality. You can't judge anybody's ethics or lack thereof. You can't judge anybody's integrity or lack thereof. But it is perfectly okay to condemn Christians. Therefore, to condemn rational thought. In order to eliminate discrimination... Liberals have determined to be totally indiscriminate. Let me give you the perfect example. At the airport, in order to not discriminate or in order to not be judgmental, we have to make ourselves stupid. We have to pretend we don't know some things we know. Therefore, we have to search that 90-year-old grandma from Mississippi in order not to offend the four Syrian young men shouting Allah Akbar at the airport from Syria. Are you following me? Hard to comprehend. I've been studying this for a long time, so it's sunk in. I, I need to stop and realize some of you are hearing it for the first time. Makes perfect sense to me. That, explain, that explains political correctness. You can't judge. You, you can't judge. So we, we have to play stupid. You know, Grace, are you getting ready? You're going to Portland soon, right? Aren't you, Grace? I don't know if she can hear me. Are you going to fly to Portland? Yes. They'll pat her down. Is there anybody that deserves to be patted down? She, <laughs> you know, check her out thoroughly. Run her through that scanner a couple times. Does that make sense, folks? Now, is it starting to make sense? Today, liberals consider rational thought a hate crime. In my mind, you know, why don't we just search the, 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 the Syrians and the people that the problem's coming from? You would think, well, what about the good Syrians? Well, you would think the good Syrians would be for that. You know, if it's guys over 6'4 that are terrorizing people around the country, I'm all for searching us guys that are 6'4. I don't have a problem with that. Today, liberals consider rational thought a hate crime. And think about this. The younger generation, they're unable and unwilling to critically consider the merits of the positions that they hold. They won't consider the merits of the positions that they hold. They are incapable. These young, modern liberals are incapable of rational thought or argument, okay? Because they're not used to discerning. They're not used to thinking it through. They don't want to be judgmental. 
Watch when Tucker Carlson is interviewing a liberal and see how they respond. Nine times out of ten, they will not argue on the merits of the case. Watch them. I've watched them. They will respond with sarcasm, mockery, anger, intimidation. Why? You check it out. They can't argue on the merits of the case. They're incapable of rational thought. They're not used to discerning. They're not used to thinking. We have to think. We as Christians are ta- taught to think. What is good? What is bad? What is better? What is worse? What, what, are the, what are the lifestyles that lead to success? What are the lifestyles that lead to failure? They're stuck in kindergarten. And, and there's a book written by Evan Sayet where he, he uh, talks about that at length. They have a kindergarten mindset. They don't worry about tomorrow. Let's live for today. We'll spend it all today. We'll tax everybody today. How are we going to pay for it? We're not going to worry about it. We're liberals. Am I telling it like it is? Not only can they not rightfully judge their own position, but they are antagonistic to any position other than their own. Have you ever seen them in these riots or these protests? They're marching down the street, and it's always unseemly looking people, raggedy, whatever, and they'll put a microphone in their face and they try to ask them what it is they're protesting. They are incapable of articulating it. They cannot, well, dude, you know, well, hey, you know, Trump, he's bad. And, you know, that's their argument. And I'm not exaggerating. They are incapable of rational argument. When you have been brought up to believe that indiscrimination is a moral imperative, any position other than your own has to be wrong. When you believe in absolute truth, some things are right, some things are wrong, they, ought to, they, they therefore automatically dismiss you as bigoted or biased. And that leads liberals to become morally inverted. They're morally inverted. They celebrate bad. They celebrate plays where, you know, they're mocking or, or, you know, killing the president of the United States in New York. Y'all seen that on the news, no doubt. They, they celebrate that. They, de- they defend that. Now put Obama on that stage and do it to him and see what happens because they will defend their liberals, their liberal friends. Isaiah 5.20, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And some of you don't like to go there. Some of you, I'm just not comfortable with this. I'm not comfortable with this message. You're part of the problem. The Lord, I understand more where the Lord says you're either with me or you're against me. You can't be neutral. You're not going to be neutral. Liberals will invariably side with evil over good, darkness over light, bitterness over sweet. In a world where no behavior is deemed better than any other, you will assume that all behaviors lead to good outcomes. That's in their fantasy world. When you don't see that one behavior is necessarily better than the other, you're going to say, well, it, it's all up to them. It's, it's what they want. It's, you know, it, it all leads to good behaviors. But folks, in the real world, different behaviors lead to different outcomes. That's a fact. But again, they don't argue facts. Well, that's what you, you guys, you're just so big. That, you know, they're not, they're not going to argue on the merit of the case. Christians, folks, we're different from them. That's why we're clashing. Christians are taught that there is good and evil. We are told 
not that we're not to judge. We're not to judge hypocritically. But we are told, we are taught to judge. We must judge. We must discern. We must di- differentiate. In 1 Kings 3, 7. Solomon. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. Here he is, a young king. This is his prayer to God. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Okay? He's realizing he's the new king. He is overwhelmed with governing these people. He wants to get it right. So this is what he prays to the Lord in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse number 9. Listen carefully. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people. If it's right for the king to judge, it's right for the dad to judge, the mom to judge, the employer to judge, as long as you're judging righteously. He says, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. Liberals don't see good and bad. You know, the only thing they see as bad is Christians. For who is able to judge this so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. You see, Solomon knew, I got to judge. Because as a Christian, or as a believer, he, he knew that there's right and there's wrong. There's good and there's evil. There's bitter and there's sweet. And in the real world, different behaviors lead to different outcomes. Therefore, we have to judge, we have to discern, we have to differentiate. Let let me explain. There's going to be different outcomes for the young man home studying for the SAT as compared to the young man out drinking and partying with his buddies. Amen? Two different actions are going to lead to two different outcomes. If you're home, uh, you you got a, a child and he's home studying for his SAT... And his buddies come from a liberal family and they just let him go and he's out partying with his friends. You're going to get two different outcomes. We understand that. They don't. There will be different outcomes for the young girl committed to purity as opposed to the young girl out giving her body to multiple men. We Christians judge that abstinence is always a better course for life than promiscuity. They don't judge that. In fact, they think they will fight us on abstinence. Will they not? Pause, let it sink in. <laughs> I know it's a lot coming at you. You know, it, it's a lot, and it seems overwhelming, but, you know, somebody came up to me at lunch today, and I appreciate it. They said, that, that, that's hard to do. I said, not really. You can get up here and preach, you know, because I'm preaching truth. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. I, 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 I know that I'm preaching the truth of God's word. We Christians judge that sobriety is always better than the use of alcohol. You know, they're going to be 
Let them. They'll, they'll sell alcohol to minors. That's their choice, their life. Let them do what they want to do. We Christians judge that being clean is always better than drug usage. Understand this. Liberals cannot, must not, will not make those conclusions lest they appear judgmental, bigoted, prejudiced, or biased. So how do liberals explain success? Because we can point to success. Okay, when we want to argue rationally, logically, why do they turn to sarcasm? Why do they get indignant? Why do they get angry? Because we can say, now look, like I said a while ago, just take a young man that is studious and um, does right and lives right and uh, uh, respects his parents and really wants to make good grades and take the kid that don't care, you know, calls him old man and old lady and he's out partying. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And we can point that, okay, this guy over here, because we're, we're thinking, we have to. You know, we're not the rhetorical class. I mean, our decisions have consequences. Our actions have consequences. So when we point it out to them, how do they explain success? They will always, folks, now think about, think about what you've heard on the news. They're always critical of success. Successful businessmen in liberal circles are always viewed with great skepticism. They're up to something. They, they, they took advantage of people. See, they always see it as far as victims and victimizers, and anybody that is successful is a victimizer. Successful companies are viewed with great skepticism. Successful countries are viewed with great skepticism. Success to the modern liberal always results from some kind of trickery, bigotry, or exploitation. America is great in their minds because we have exploited other people. Now, true, in, in any country you can find wrongs, but you know what? The greatest wrong, I think, this, or one of the greatest wrongs, if not the greatest wrong this country ever had was slavery. And we, you know, we won't sweep that under the carpet. That was wrong. But that's been corrected, folks. You know, slavery, you, you, you try to find a slave market around here. You, you just, you know, thankfully you're not going to do it. So success of the modern liberal always results from some kind of trickery, bigotry, and exploitation. Do you remember, it's been eight, more than eight years ago now, Obama's pastor in Chicago? What did he say about America? He's a liberal. Remember, I don't even want to make you think what he said, but if you know what he said, he said it. Success to the modern liberal always results from some kind of trickery, bigotry, and exploitation. And failure, people that seem to can't make it or haven't made it, is proof to a liberal of their victimization. They're never responsible. They're never held accountable. It's proof of their victimization. Failures in Arab countries as a result of America stealing their oil. And again, that's just factually untrue. What they might have to recognize as evil in the world, burning people alive in cages, for example, are simply people who have been victims of prejudice and bigotry, and we have forced them to do that.
the evil we see in ISIS isn't their fault in a lot of liberals' minds. It's the fault of America and Israel. When you buy into liberalism, you are a part of the cult of indiscriminateness. You will conclude that good is evil and evil is good. This sort of explains, does it not, why Obama, who is a rank liberal, refused to call terrorists terrorists. He couldn't do it. Proving my point. New York Times refused to call Islamic terrorists Islamic terrorists. To these people, the liberals, one man's terrorist, and is a, please try to get this through your heads, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. We shouldn't be so quick to judge Hamas. We shouldn't be so quick to judge ISIS. But rational people, discerning people, really can make the distinction between who is a terrorist and who is a freedom fighter. As I understand it, freedom fighters fight for, help me, freedom. ISIS wants to set up an oppressive theocracy that tell you how to dress, who can drive cars, who can't drive cars, and will kill you if you disagree with them. And liberals can't make the distinction? And they will say that. Well, you start arguing with them. Well, yeah, you say, you know, we're, we're freedom fighters, but one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. What in the world's wrong with you? Liberal non-judgmental indiscriminateness can't make the distinction. Liberal thought is so bad that liberals label our founding fathers as selfish capitalists simply because they are white Christian males. And folks, I heard that back in the 70s at LSU. It was just starting on campuses. I go to LSU revering Hamilton, Jefferson, Washington, Adams. And then I get to LSU and they say, oh, you guys don't get it. Those are white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, imperialist. Once you subscribe to indiscriminateness, everything other than indiscriminateness becomes evil. Everything other than indiscriminateness becomes evil. I know this is some heavy stuff. But I challenge anybody in this room to prove me wrong with a rational, biblical argument. This is what's going on in our country today. Let's close turning to Acts chapter 16, please. You have your Bible? Acts chapter 16. We talked about Ahab, the wicked king, calling Elijah a man of integrity and purity, the one that troubles Israel. You say, that's Old Testament. It's in the New Testament as well. You find it in Acts chapter 16, verse number 19. Remember, Paul and Silas was plagued by this girl who was uh, demon-possessed, and she was being used by her masters to make them money, and they were taking advantage of this girl. And Paul and Silas, you know, they, they, Paul cast the demons out of this woman. And in verse number 19, and when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers. 
and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Yeah, this poor girl being used by these, if I could use the word liberals, non-believers, atheistic, communistic, socialistic, if you will. They had the nerve to be angry at Paul and Silas because they showed kindness to this girl and really healed this girl. But it deprived them of their selfish, unscrupulous income. And they said, these men do exceedingly trouble, exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. So the people came to their defense. No. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid, hand, laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Woe unto them they call good evil and evil good. And we in this room, knowing this, will either rise up, not in revolt, but in testimony, in love, in kindness, being salt and light. We will show the love of Christ. We will call sin, sin. But folks, we'll also love the sinner. Amen? We'll love the sinner. But we will acknowledge the sin. Now is the time, folks, for us to take our faith seriously. Now is the time to be in church when you're supposed to be. Now is the time to give as you should give. Now is the time to be involved, to find uh, some aspect of ministry at church, whether it's teaching class, singing the choir, or you know, vacuuming the carpet. It's all important. Now's the time for us not to get discouraged. Now is not the time to be defeated. I am honored that the Lord is allowing me to live at this point in time in our country's history. And I don't want to let him down. And it may be, it may get harder before it gets better. And it may not ever get better. The Lord may come, but whatever the case, we must stand for truth There is truth, and we know the truth. And the truth has set us free, and we need to be bold and joyful in our testimony. And let me warn you, you listen to enough liberals on TV, if you're not careful, you'll start thinking like them. But you have a better understanding today, I hope, than you did before of where they're coming from, and you don't want to go there. You do not want to go there. The Lord said, you're either for me or against me. Let's be for him. 100% for him. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you 
and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.